So good. As promised, David is going to be preaching today, but I wanted to introduce him. But before I even get to that, my heart was kind of touched with that video. Like, it's really cool what One Chapel's doing with Community First Village. Are you guys familiar with Community First? So we partner with them, and it's this whole community who are uh, formerly homeless or houseless, and we are providing a spiritual kind of atmosphere as these people kind of enter into wholeness. So cool that we get to be a part of that. Man, I feel like, uh, I feel like a, a racehorse who's about to jump out from like the whatever the, the just to shoot and like just like there is such a I have like this kind of controlled adrenaline for what God wants to do it's probably a little bit of the coffee as well but also for Pastor David being here he is he is like that stallion he has this energy and this this potency and the, this adrenaline from from God and so I'm expectant for today and so I want and I want to just honor him um, he is one of these like real pastors he'll like look me in the eye and like Zach how you doing How's your soul? You know, uh, he's so great. So I want us to open our hearts to him. And then we're going to, so let's receive this word. But then also at the end, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to this word and allow the Holy Spirit, God with us, to move and to lead us. And so I just, I'm so expectant for today. So let's honor Pastor David as he begins here. Thank you, brother. Love you, man. Well, God bless you th- th- so much this morning. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to be here. Thank you, Zach, for, for all of that. My beautiful wife, uh, Christina, and I, we are the, the pastor. Yeah, come on, give it up for my wife. She's amazing. She puts up with me. <laughs> so, so uh, man, we are the community pastors for, for Kyle and excited, to, as always, to be here with you. It's been a while since I've been here, so it's maybe the first time that any of you uh, are just kind of hearing me. So, man, let's, let's do, are you excited this morning? I feel that. I, I'm with Zach. Like I'm, like, I'm like, I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready for God to do what he wants to do. I have this expectancy in my heart for what God wants to do right here in this room. I woke up this morning, to be honest with you, and I was praying for you. And I was like, Lord, I believe that you've given me something this morning, and it's beyond me. It's not me, but it's something that you want to say, and I want you to say it, God, because the people that you're sending here this morning need to hear it. Amen? Amen. So I, I hope you receive that uh, with all of your heart. Uh, listen, to, uh, look at that. Uh, so, so, man, I, I, am, I am ready to go. Sometimes your iPad just kind of acts up on you, doesn't it? And so, the, so here we go. You know, you guys have ever been in a situation uh, where, like, you were, you were in a meeting or you were in a group setting and you, like, you wanted to ask this question, but you were like, man, you were really unsure to ask it. But then somebody asks the question that you were thinking of and you're like, oh, my God, I'm so really thank you, Lord, for helping me because I didn't want to ask that question. I, I feel like, you know, Thomas was that kind of person. You know, Thomas, you know, as, as we, we kind of see his, his few moments in Scripture that he asked those questions. He made that statement. He expressed his confusion if, if, we, if, we, if we, we're going to see that. And yes, even his doubts. To, to everyone, that, that, the doubts that everyone wanted to say, the doubts that everyone wanted to express, but for whatever reason, they did it. And so I, I, as I was reading through scripture this week, I was, I was kind of came up and I was like, oh my God, he's that person. I know that. I, I, I feel that. And, but, but the crazy thing is from, from this, from him kind of speaking out and kind of just sharing his heart, he acquired this nickname that is actually still used uh, on people today. Some of you, some of you are kind of laughing because you're, you're already thinking of it, right? What is it? Come on, everybody. It is doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Everybody, good job. You, 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 won, the, you won the prize, you know? But, but I, I'm going to be honest. I think the other disciples got away with a little bit of doubt themselves. 
We're going to table that. We're going to look at that a little bit later. But, but I think we'll explore that in just a little bit. Thomas, he has very few moments in Scripture compared to somebody like a Peter or a Paul or a John. It's, it's almost like that, that person who's, who's always there, person always is always with you, they rarely say anything. But then the moment they say something, everybody quiets down to listen. Everybody's like, mm, what, is it, what are they, they going to say? So, so I've, I've never been... I've been accused of being that person, by the, by the way. That person has never been me. My wife, yeah, my wife, my wife would be that person. She speaks up. I quiet down. I know better. I quiet down because she's going to say something good. But me, no, <laughs> never. <laughs> so so this, is, this is big, right? So this is, this is awesome. I, I love this. And so Thomas has this one big moment, right? It's, it's his shining moment to be labeled <laughs> in Scripture. And so I, I want us all to go to that here in John chapter 20. Um, if you have your Bibles, come on, turn with me to that. Or if, or if you're following along with script, uh, in the message version, it'll, it'll be there before you. But as we get into the book of John, John, you know, John is, is the disciple that Jesus loved. And if you don't believe him, he'll tell you multiple times as you read through the book. Um, so those are the people that have read John right there. So, <laughs> so, so this is John's account of, of the, the Jesus uh, showing up after the, his resurrection to the disciples. Come on, let's jump into it. John 20, in verse 24, the Bible says this. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, some of your translations will say the twin, that's, that's, just, that's just a little, little caveat there. Um, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Thomas, where were you at, bro? So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Next verse. A week later, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus responded to him and said, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, we come before you, God. Father, we lay our hearts open to, the, to your word and to what the Spirit wants to do in this place today. We yield, we surrender, we submit to all that you want. God, change us, mold us, shape us. Father God, we want to be malleable clay in your hands for you to do and mold us as you wish. We say yes to you. If you agree with that, church, come on and say amen with me. Okay, so as we read this passage of scripture, okay, I get it. All right, he, I see why he was labeled Doubting Thomas. Every, we, can, we can all agree with that, right? They, they, they are all together, and then Jesus just appears out of nowhere. That's kind of what, he, what he's doing right now after his resurrection. Because you remember, as it, as it said, Thomas wasn't with them the first time that they met. And so, so this wrestling group, they've been, they've, been, they've been able to wrestle through all of this before. They had a moment before. And so when Jesus appeared, he, Thomas just kind of tell, responds to his disciples and says, listen, responds to his, all the, the rest of the disciples and says, hey, listen, unless I see it, unless I put my hands in, unless it's right here before me, I'm not going to believe it. And I love that when Jesus shows up, he, he shows us and says, hey, 
peace be with you. Don't, don't just chill out, everybody. But then he turns and he directly addresses Thomas. And he says, Thomas, he, he addresses this, this, this doubting and this wrestling that was happening in his heart. He says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hands and put it into my side. But it doesn't say that Thomas did it. We'll leave that conversation for another time. I just want to throw that out there and make you think a little bit. <laughs> but, like, right, we, but what I want us to see here in this passage of Scripture is, is this, I love to call it a collision. This collision between Thomas's doubt and the reality of Jesus. I want to say that again. I, I want us to see the collision between Thomas's doubt and the reality of Jesus. It's that moment where what was inside Thomas was confronted with the reality of his of the reality of what, what was happening and what he was facing. And I love the beauty of his response. His response to that is, my Lord, my God. This phrase is it was actually the first declaration of Christ's divinity after the first recorded declaration of Christ's divinity after the resurrection. Now if this was all we had of Thomas, then I would agree. Title justified. Doubting Thomas. Yeah, that's what he is. He's, he's king of the doubters. I'll be the first one to tell him when we get to, when we get to heaven. I read it. It's the truth. But, but there, there's some other passages where we get a glimpse of Thomas's character. We get a little bit of, a, of an insight of, of who he is and, and, and how, how he operates. I want you to go with me to John 11. Here, God is talking about the death of Lazarus. It's right there. Uh, I got my Bible up here. You know, I may, I may try to go to John. Let's go to John 11. A little old school right here. Say, say amen when you get it. Yeah, come on now. When I was a little kid, everybody, that's why you brought your Bibles to church. You could say amen. You wanted to be, let everybody know you had it. So, 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 John, so John here, uh, in John 11, he's talking about the, the raising of Lazarus. We see the, there at the very beginning of, of passage of Scripture, it's, it tells us that a man with Lazarus, he was sick. And so it tells us where he, where he lived. He lived in Bethany. It tells us who his sisters were, Mary and Martha. And it gives us a little bit of caveat that this Mary was the Mary that poured oil over Jesus, that, that anointed him. And so we, oh, we're kind of putting these, a little bit of these things together. And then, and then we see... If we skip down um, to, to verse 4, that, that he, they had been told that, G, that Lazarus was sick, but then Jesus heard it and said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, right? So, so Jesus is saying, Lazarus' sickness is not going to end in death. It happened for the glory of God, so the Son of God will be received, so he would receive glory from this name. So if we, if we kind of jump over to, jump a, a verse over to 6, he says, so then, so then he stayed where he was for the next two days. All right, Jesus, thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm sick, and you're just going to chill for two more days. <laughs> so it's like, okay, God, what's, what's happening here? And finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea, verse 7. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said only a few days ago, people, the people there in Judea were trying to stone you. Are, are you going to go that way again? So, so all of a sudden, like what, what's, what's conspired, transpired next is this, this, this conversation that happens between Jesus and his disciples, where Jesus is like, okay, well, he's, he's just, he's going to be okay. All right, well, cool. Then, but let's go back to Judea. And, and the disciples are like, well, wait a minute. They were just trying to kill you in Judea. You, you really want to go back that way? I mean, if, and then he's like, well, you know, Thomas is just, he's just sleep. I was like, well, all the more reason not to go through the place where people are 
trying to kill you. If he sleep, let him rest and maybe he'll get better. And then, to, and, and so that, that conversation is kind of starting to transpire. And if we skip down, um, if we skip down a, a few verses to verse, to verse uh, 12, the, the, for the Lord, it says, yeah, he's sleeping, but he will soon get up. And so, so then he jumps down to, jumped down to verse 14. He says, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go all the more and see. Can you imagine that, that, that conversation, a little bit of what's happening? So they just had this conversation about not going to Judea because those people were going to kill him. And then he's like, no, no, no. Let, let me make it plain to you. Tom, he's, Lazarus isn't sleeping. Lazarus is dead. They're like, well, all the more reason not to go through Judea where they're going to kill us. There's, a, there's an opportunity for them to kill us. And this conversation is happening, right? Remember, Thomas is that guy that's kind of all back, always back in the distance. He's always there. But when he speaks up, people listen. Go to the very next verse. This is, this is one of the few moments where, where Scripture records Thomas said something. And Thomas says this. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, or Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. <laughs> Wait a minute, up, up to now, what we've really known about Thomas is he was doubting Thomas. Where, where did this guy come from? <laughs> who, who is this guy that's all ready to go and die for Jesus? Like, oh, well, let's just, let, hey, let's, let's do it. If, we, if we're going to die, let's go die, but let's just do it with Jesus. It's like, wait, wait a minute. So we see here, we see a little bit of glimpse of Thomas's heart. We see a glimpse of his love. We see a glimpse of his dedication. We see a glimpse of the courage here for Jesus right? It, it reminded me of that scripture in Revelation 12, 11, where it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Thomas was embodying this spirit right here. Like, it doesn't matter. If we're going to be with Jesus, let's go with Jesus. It doesn't matter what comes or what may happen. If, there op if there's a, a, an opportunity for us to die, hey, let's go, because we're going to go with Jesus. They all knew they, they all had, they had glimpses. They all had experiences of what, of walking with Jesus, right? They all, they all, they all were understanding this. This is, this is uh, pre-crucifixion. So they, they, they were understanding the tension. They were feeling it themselves of what was going on and what was happening. But Thomas was the one here reminding them of the reality of the cost. The cost of their decision to follow Jesus. Essentially saying what everybody else was possibly understanding and wrestling with in their hearts. Even if they weren't completely, they weren't completely sold out and ready to do it, Thomas expressed it. We see here in scripture, we see a bit more of this wrestling. Earlier I mentioned the disciples that I think they got away with a, with a little bit of, of doubt themselves. Their own little collision with their doubt and the reality of who Jesus was. Between what they were all witnessed, what they all experienced with Christ before the crucifixion, the reality, the years they spent learning, discussing, bickering sometimes, and working through all these misunderstandings with God and the reality that was facing them right now in these, in these moments. Luke records it. Luke records one of the first times that Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection in Luke 24. It's in your notes there, and it'll be up on the screen. He says this, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Verse 37, they were startled and frightened. Thinking they saw a ghost, he said to them, why are you troubled? 
And listen what he says to them. Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this to them, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he said to them, do you, he, he said to them, do you have anything here to eat to prove to them? I'm here. I'm really here. <laughs> the, 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 the disciples had their own moments where they were able to wrestle through this doubt, the confronting in this collision of what they were believing, what they thought and the reality of who Jesus was. But it was Thomas. It was Thomas that expressed it. He expressed his doubts, as was recorded in Scripture. He's the one that said, until I do this, until I touch his hands, until I see his hands, until I put my hand in his side, I won't, I won't believe. I believe that we can see from Scripture. But Thomas, he was deeply devoted to Jesus. And yet he struggled with doubts. Yet he had questions. You know, the history says that Thomas was, was killed by a spear. He was martyred. He was killed by a spear. And it also says, this guy, this, this guy that we've deemed doubting Thomas, that has carried this title through the ages, even to this day, this guy, history says, it was, was the one that took the gospel further than any other disciple. There, there are history accounts. There are some history, accounts in history that he took the gospel all the way to India. Some say even as far as China, this, is, this, guy, this guy that was doubting, this reality, it helps me realize that even though I have doubts, even though Thomas has doubts, it's okay to have doubts and to have questions. The stigma that doubts are bad, they're not completely true. Thomas was expressing his doubt. Thomas expressing his doubt was, was simply the, the way that he worked through the, his response to his real internal confusion. It wasn't his way of life. Thomas, Thomas doubting wasn't his way of life. It was him expressing the realities of what was happening in his heart, in his life, the conflict that was going on inside of him. He was working through the boundaries of his ability to understand limitless opportunity coming available through Jesus. It was him stepping in and beginning to live a resurrected life. In this series, we've, we've been unpacking the, the scriptures to see what resurrection life looks like, to realize that we are all resurrected people, amen? If we receive Christ as our personal Savior, we've submitted to the cross. God has redeemed us. He has paid, he has paid this, this price that we could not pay. We are now living as a resurrected people. And that isn't based on feelings or emotions. It's not based on our abilities or our accomplishments or our strivings. It's solely based on what Jesus did on the cross. That's it. And the reality that he rose from the dead three days later. Our king lives and he reigns and he's seated at the right hand of the Father right now. And because of that, we can live in hope. We can, we can live beyond what we see. Resurrection people believe it. it's okay to pursue our doubts because it is there that we find Jesus. Having doubts, it doesn't stagnate a life dedicated to Jesus. I believe it, it's, it's when we wrestle with unexpressed doubt that disables our faith. 
That's why a godly relationship is critical. It is critical. And cultivating spaces like groups are mandatory for, for Christians. You may have never heard that before. A relation, having, having a relationship with Christ is absolute, but having relationship with each other is critical. And being in a, a, part, a part of a group, a part of a gathering where you can express and have these conversations for a Christian, listen to me, is mandatory. You, you, didn't, you didn't see disciples going out by themselves. They went out what? There we go. We went, they went out two by two. You, the, God, God doesn't want you to walk alone. God wants you to walk with somebody. Amen? So we have to cultivate these spaces like groups. We, we have to find another believer or a group to share your doubts with, where you can be open and honest, and you can confess the realities of what's going on in your heart. To doubt out loud is so much better than to silently be discouraged and faithless. We have to see that. We have to understand that. We have to see this is what's happening in Thomas's heart. This is what he's expressing after seeing what scripture says, after seeing the, the side of Jesus in the hands of Jesus, Thomas said, my Lord, my God. He declared this, this expression. He said, he said to God that these two words, Lord and God, koreas and theas, Lord and God, which simply means you are the supreme authority. You are the supreme God. Your divinity is true and unmatched. That's what he declared to God after seeing, after that collision, the confrontation of his doubt and the reality of Jesus. This is what his response was. Thomas experienced resurrection life through the expression, and not just the expression, but the submission of his doubt. Without submission, we will never experience freedom. I want you to hear that this morning. Without submitting everything to the cross, without submitting your doubts and your questions, you will never experience freedom. You always wrestle with that doubt. You will always wrestle with those questions. Some of you are in this room right now that have wrestled with something for a long time internally. And God is saying, man, you, it, it's, right here, it's right here in front of you. It's, it's right here. You, you can't do it by yourself. You, you can't. If it could have been done by himself, you think Jesus would have got 12 more? <laughs> like if Jesus didn't do it, why, so, why sometimes we think we can? But this is, this is just the reality that I want us to see in Scripture. Scripture tells us. We see it happening. We see it happening as, 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 you, wrestle, as you wrestle with your questions and you wrestle with your doubt. Right? Which... Which, which, which ends up happening is, quite honestly, we begin to pile more on top of it. Because the truth of the matter is, in this life, we're going to experience trouble. We're going to experience hurt. We're going to experience somebody gonna, somebody's going to betray us at some point or the other. And what happens is we begin to protect ourselves, right? It's a natural response, amen? We, we, begin, we begin to put up walls and begin to put our, our little bit of armor on, a little bit of, a little bit of something to protect ourselves from, for the next time so that we can see this thing coming. But the Bible tells us to put on the full armor of who? But the reality is sometimes we have our own armor on and we don't put on his full armor. 
But because what has to happen is that the armor of God doesn't fit over our armor. That doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It brings to mind, when I, when I think of that, I, it brings to mind when David was going to go before Goliath and he was going to fight Goliath. And he said, I'll do it because this guy is blasphemy against God. Who can stand against the Lord? And so Saul says, hey, David, okay, we're going to let you go, which is another, it's another question of mine. Like, okay, no, none of, the, none of your, war, your best warriors could go, but you're going to let this little kid go do it? That's the question I'll ask when I get to heaven. But Saul says, okay, but if you're going to go, put on my armor. The Bible says David tried his armor on. He tried it on, but it didn't fit. He's like, it, it doesn't work. Some of us are walking around with, with our own armor on, and, and our armor doesn't, doesn't stop anything. Our, our armor own, only holds things in. It doesn't allow us to express the fullness of God, what God has put inside of us. God calls us to put on his armor. In order for us to be able to put armor, his armor on, we have to trust God enough to take off the armor that we've, that we've put on ourselves to protect ourselves from the hurts and the pain and the betrayal and all the things that we've experienced in this life from the people that, 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 have, that have even said that they loved us, from relationships that we've had, from our family, from relationships, from friendships, from friendships that go beyond into a level of intimacy that, that, that would that probably shouldn't have been, but we, we experience all these things. So we put on all this armor and God is saying, man, take off that armor, put my armor on so that I can protect you and watch over you and be with you and bring healing to your heart and your life. We can have real and true conversations about what's happening in your heart and your life. And until we do that, it takes, it takes us to trust him. God, I trust you. God, it may not look the way I want it to look, God, you're, you, you may not pay back that person the way I think you should pay them back, but I trust you. I submit that to you, Lord. That's what it takes. It takes for us. My point, my point is that being, that, that, that we have to begin to lay over our doubts, all of our past, all of the things that we experience because of, because of our own decisions sometimes. We have to lay down those things. We have to process doubt. And, and the reality is we process doubt in a couple different ways. We've processed doubt through a submitted lifestyle where, where we have the full armor of God on and our trust is in him and our doubts cause us to have questions. And so we, we ask God and our questions then bring about answers. And then God begins to, we have the, we get to have this conversation where we're expressing our doubts and we're expressing our questions. And God is responding to us, whether through the power of the Holy Spirit or a relationship that he's brought into our lives, a godly relationship where everything points to God. And we're having these, this conversation, this communication with people. And God is answering our questions. And those things lead to a more healthy lifestyle and, and a greater trust in the Lord. And then there's then there's, there's other side where where there's an unsubmitted doubt, where, where that doubt, the doubt becomes stubbornness. And then the stubbornness becomes pride. And then the pride begins to infect every aspect of our lives. It begins to infect everything that we produce because we're unsubmitted, because we're doing it our own way. And it leads to a prideful lifestyle. This doubt this doubt squelches out your relationship with God. This, this doubt leaves you limited and chained and broken and asking, God, why? God is like, I'm here. I'm the answer. I'm everything you need. But you're unsubmitted. You're unsubmitted. You still live a life that you lead. 
You come to me on Sunday. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to church, everybody. <laughs> so glad you're here. But there's so much more for you. In, in contrast to a life where God, I never thought I could be here. I never thought I could experience this freedom. I never thought, God, that I would be able to move on from this and that and the other. I never thought that I would be able to live a life, a life that is abundant, a life that you've promised, a life that scripture says, and I've heard this scripture over and over and over, that I've come to give you life and life to the full. I never thought, God, that I would be able to experience that life. But the moment I begin to surrender, the moment I ripped off the armor that I thought was protecting me and put on your full armor and put my trust completely in you and surrendered my life daily to you, God. You've been doing something in my heart and my life that I could never do. And that's the reality of the cross. That's the power of the cross. Why? Because Jesus is the absolute truth. This is the absolute truth. This is our guide. And if the Bible says it, then we have to do it. We have to yield to what scripture says. This collision between the absolute deity of Christ and doubt and what doubt and doubt produce, produce from our feelings, our fears, our failures, all our sinful choices, contrary to Scripture and God's plan for our lives is, it's a daily one. Scripture points to this truth over and over and over again. God knows that this was the only way we could maintain this lifestyle. We could maintain uh, walking as Christians in this world. There's a reality. This reality, we have to recognize it and we have to relinquish it. What, what, is it, what does it mean to recognize and relinquish? We have to recognize, Lord, I can't do this on my own. And Holy Spirit, I need you more today than I did yesterday. Every day, every moment, we have to relinquish it and say, I am not who I was yesterday. The, the, the mistakes that I made yesterday, they have no hold on me today. I'm not who I was. Why? Because God, because in Christ, I am a new creation. I have to recognize the need that we have for Christ and then, and then relinquish that authority to him every day. We have to do this. is our launching point. For every morning, we have to do I encourage you to do this every morning. It makes me think of a sprinter starting off starting blocks. Why do they start off starting blocks? So that they don't slip. So that they don't slip at the beginning of the race. So they can get the, the best start that they can. Church, this is how we get the best start we can every day. We die to ourselves every day. It's what scripture says. We crucify our flesh every day. We submit to God's will every day. That's the only way we can do it. Do you believe that? That's the only way that we can maintain this walk that God has called us to by submitting to him daily. I, I encourage you to find how God wants you to start every day, whether it's through a portion of scripture, whether it's through a devotion, whether it's just by sitting at the end of your bed in the morning and reciting something that you have written down. God, I realize, Lord, I'm not who I am. I'm a new creation and I need you more today than I needed you yesterday. Let's go, God. I'm ready for the day. I set you before all that I am, all my plans, all my agendas, my career, my family, my marriage, my relationships. God, I set you before all these things. God, I want to honor you in every aspect of our life. I hold nothing back from you, God. I hold nothing away from you, God. I hold nothing captive, Lord. I give it all to you, even my finances, Lord. Some of you are like, whoa, pastor. It's all right. We already picked up offering. It's good. Luke 11, 6, it says, Thomas said, 
Let's go to, let's go to and die with him. He was expressing this decision to live a surrendered life. He was ready to do whatever it took, whatever it took to follow Jesus. We encounter these moments in our day. Granted, not the, maybe not a decision of life and death, but moments that cause us to decide whether we will surrender the doubt, the fear, the uncomfortable feelings, the, the misconceptions of inadequacy to follow Jesus past all of whatever that list is in your life past all of whatever that list is of your shortcomings, past all of whatever that list is that the enemy, that the devil himself and demons are trying to hold over you about your past. You crumble that thing and you throw it away. You say, God, you have made me new. You have given me a fresh start. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to walk in you in the name of Jesus. That's all he needs. All he needs is a willing heart a surrendered agenda where we are intentionally attuned and to the beckoning of the Holy Spirit to our hearts every day for the moment where he asks you to share your story, to share your experience, to share your journey with Christ. Simply, that's it's what he asks of you. He doesn't ask you to share my journey. He will never ask you to share Zach or Rachel's journey. He'll never ask you to share Luke's journey. He asks you to share your journey. He asks you to share your experience. And the reality is, if, you can, if we can step in to be people who share their stories and get people, others, to share their doubts and share their stories and share their fears, you have that opportunity in that moment to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's simply what God is doing in your heart, simply what God is doing in your life. And that's the hope. That's the hope that we all cling to that changes our lives. I want to challenge you to be on the lookout, to share your story this week, to share your story today. Don't wait till Monday. We're all probably going to go eat somewhere. We're all going to have some type of interaction today. Look for the opportunities to share your story because the reality is you cannot build your faith in Jesus on somebody else's experience. It wasn't enough that the other disciples had seen Jesus for Thomas. It wasn't enough to just to hear their stories. Thomas had to see it for himself. He had to experience it for himself. And Jesus is not afraid or angry about your doubts or your questions. He came to reconcile us to the Father. We can ask Jesus to show us who he is and how he wants to move through us and, how, and what we need to overcome our doubts and our questions to bring us to greater faith. A question for you this morning what do you need? What do you need from Jesus to bring you to greater faith? Or what is Jesus asking from you this morning? What is he asking you to lay down? Ben, come on up and help me finish this morning. What is Jesus asking from you this morning? Because he's asking something. What has he asked you to give up? Maybe this is not the first time he's asked you for something. So we have a choice to make this morning. We can either relinquish it or, we, or we, 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 we won't. It's very simple. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus doesn't separate from us because we have doubts. 
We separate ourselves from Jesus because we hide our doubts. We can. We can. We have to be honest about our doubts with God. He wants to be our our ever-present help in time of need. He wants to have an honest conversation with you about the things that you're wrestling with, the things that uh, maybe the things that are that that are holding over, holding you back, or or you've been carrying in your from your past. He wants to have an honest conversation about that. He wants you with open hands to allow him to begin to heal that, to bring hope to that, that, that moment, that circumstance that has been so dark for so long. I wouldn't say it if I didn't absolutely believe it. I wouldn't say it if I didn't experience it myself. God is the absolute truth. He is our healer. He is our hope. We can trust him. I learned a long time ago, there's no reason for me to hold anything back, any of my thoughts, any of my frustrations, not even my anger from God. He knows it. The Bible, the, the Bible says that he counts the hairs on my head. That's how much he loves me. That's how attentive he is to me. The Bible says that he knows the motive of my heart when I do things. And if he knows the motive of my heart, then he absolutely knows what I'm thinking. So why hold it back? Let's walk out our doubts and questions together. Last thing this morning is we can all choose. We can all choose to live resurrected lives that spread the gospel message today. We can do that today. We understand that it's, it's not by our strength. It's not by our wisdom. It's not, it's not the, by the things that we accomplish. That it's, it's not by any of that. The Bible says that it's not by might nor power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's through prayer. It's through fasting. It's through reading his word. It's through conversations that we have with other believers that we're strengthened, that we grow we're sharpened and we're equipped. So this morning, as we just kind of prepare to respond to what the Holy Spirit is presented here, I want to, we're going we're to go into a time of worship. And I want to ask the prayer team to come up. And you, you have a, co- a choice here. You can come and just spend some time alone at the throne of, at the altar and, and just begin to just confess your your whatever you want to confess and, and give up, whatever you want to give up and have a conversation with God. But there's going to be people here that are ready and willing to partner with you, to agree with you, to pray with you, to walk with you to, and, and figure out what's next. To walk with you. You don't, you don't have to walk this journey alone. And, and man, I want you to hear that more than anything this morning. You don't have to walk this journey alone. So would you stand with me as we pray and we go back into worship. And I just want to pray this prayer for myself. I just want to pray this prayer over each and every one of you. Father, I just repent, Lord, this morning. God, I repent for any part of my life that I've withheld from you, Lord. I want to live a life, God, that is completely surrendered. I withhold no part of my being. I withhold no part, Father God, of my mind, my heart, my soul. Lord, I want you to equip me and cleanse me and strengthen me, God. 
Heal me, Lord, in the areas, Father God, where I'm struggling. I pray this, Lord, over every person in this room today, right now, Lord, that you, Lord Jesus, as they open their hearts, as they relinquish with open hands, God, as they come before you, God, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would reach in, Lord, and begin to massage, Lord, begin to remove, begin to excavate, God, begin to till the soil of the hurt and the pain of their hearts, God, and of the emotions that they've been holding on to so long, maybe unforgiveness, God, that has been rotting them from the inside out, Lord. Bring healing. Bring hope, Lord. Bring clarity, God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we yield to you. We surrender to you because you are, you are the personification of hope, God. You are absolute truth. You are big enough. You are strong enough. You love me enough to do it, God, to receive us again. As we worship this morning, the altar is open for you to come and pray. Let's worship the Lord.